Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. So last week, last week, two weeks ago, but I refer to last week, last week we had the conference, but I started two weeks ago when we came back from Israel, I started a two-part series um, uh, about Israel and I called it, So What About Israel? And um, we basically worked through the first part of Romans uh, 11 and today we'll review a little bit and then we'll go into uh, the, the second part of Romans 11. It all talks about Israel and, and I think it's really, really powerful understanding about Israel a little bit more but also our place and what God is doing. So Paul, at the beginning of, of Romans uh, 11, he asked this question and he asked this question, he says, did God reject his people then, Israel? And it says, of course not. By, by no means he rejected his people. Now, the context of this whole thing in Romans, this chapter, is the context, of course, of Romans as a book. And as a book, he talks a lot about the comparison between self-righteousness or works righteousness, you've got to do something to be righteous, and the whole thing of faith righteousness or the gift of righteousness. And the problem that Israel had as a nation is they did not believe the Messiah. They did not believe Jesus. And so they did not receive the gift of righteousness. And Paul is so sorry about this. And so he hammers away. And of course, one, because at one stage, he didn't either, did he? He was persecuting, killing Christians, right? But then he had a you know, conversion experience with Jesus Christ on, on the road. And, uh, and he, his life got changed. And, and revelation came to him. And it became, you know, a born-again uh, messianic believer. And so it's, it's, it's wonderful. Paul, but he, he hammers down to Israel. Guys, it is no longer about workspace. I mean, these guys are, of course, steeped into religion, the, the laws, and all the stuff, the Sinai covenant. And he says, it's no longer like this. There's a new righteousness in town. And this righteousness is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Because salvation has nothing to do with what you do. It has nothing to do with your behavior. But your behavior has got everything to do with your salvation. And we see this in Romans, but particularly in Romans 11, in relation to Israel. Now, it's important in that sense that we believe right, that we know salvation right, because then we can have right behavior. But Romans is very clear that we cannot work for our salvation. You can't work for righteousness. You can't behave rightly or something in such a way that you become righteous or you, you just got to get off this performance mindset. And of course, it's so steeped in the tradition uh, of the Jewish people at that stage. And so it's a real problem for Israel. It's also a real problem for a lot of Christians still. Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness. It doesn't count anymore. And Israel, Israel, Paul says Israel, it is by faith alone accept the Messiah, but they cannot accept the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, because they are blinded. And so that's where they are cut off. But then the question is, has God rejected his people? Has God rejected Israel? And the, and the answer is a very strong, no way. That Paul is talking about. No way. God loves his people. God loves his firstborn son. Jesus Christ is called his first begotten son. But Israel is his firstborn son. He loves his firstborn son. And he has a plan for their lives. The plan for the nation of Israel. But there's a temporary blindness. By God, by the way. Given to them. So that we 
can come into salvation. That the Gentiles can come into us. They were blinded for our sake. We should be so grateful for this. And then it's like a boomerang effect. It's amazing. Because salvation is from the Jews. And then it comes to the Gentiles because they're blinded. It goes to the Gentiles. But now through the Gentiles, it goes back to Israel. And now we can share the gospel with Israel. And some of us on the strip have done that amazingly. It's just, it's just amazing. See, their, their stumbling, their blindness has meant for us. Riches, it says in verse, I think, 11, it says, riches for the world. Why riches for the world? Because we now have stepped into the grace of God through Jesus Christ. It is riches for the world. We are now planted into and grafted into the tree of life, Jesus Christ himself. And if you're happy, say amen. amen. Just want to make sure he's still there because he's so quiet. And then verse 12 talks about how, how rich then will their inclusion be at the end of time. It'll be so incredibly glorious when all Israel will be saved. And I'll talk about this in a minute. And so Paul wants to arouse his own people to jealousy. I want them to make jealous about Christ, about this gift of righteousness, this salvation, which is by faith alone. Verse 13, he says, I'm talking to you Gentiles, and as much as I'm talking uh, as I'm an apostle of the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry, here we go, in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. Come on. This is also our task. That's why it's so wonderful when we go to Israel, we can do this too. But I've got a question to you, for you. I want to ask you a question. How on earth do we provoke Israel? Right? You can think, well, how, how on earth do we do this, Gideon? I mean, they've got the faith history, thousands of years. They've got the patriarchs. They've got the covenants. They've got the glory. They've got the promises. They, they've got the prophets. They've got everything. How on earth can we provoke Israel to jealousy? Well, the answer is, uh, first of all, let's just love on them. Let's support them. I, I love that our church supports financially also Israel. And of course, we pray for Israel. I mean, the march, you've been referring to the march a lot because it is, it is something else. All of you should go one year and, and go to the march, right? I mean, it's just nothing like it. My kids absolutely loved that they went last year. It's something about this when you show love to people. They, they just don't, they think the whole world hates them. And they're right. Most of them hate them. But then the Christians come, you know, and some nations, like America now, and they say, we support you. We love you. We're with you. Come on, let's support these guys. What about showing the freedom that we have? The freedom of our salvation. What if they walked into the door this morning and saw you all sitting here worshiping stuff? Would they see a freedom that they don't have? Yes, yes. yes and no. <laughs> I'm serious, yes and no. I've seen them dancing in front of the thing. I don't know. You guys, I mean, I, I play so loud on my drums, so hard, I'm, I'm sweating. You know, I've done it for 40 years. I bought these drums in Holland. I'm trying to get you going, and some of you are still standing like this. It is so embarrassing and quite, quite rude really but anyway <laughs> freedom how can they see the freedom in our lives provoke freedom in our lives do they see the free do they see the joy do they see the joy in our lives come on how are they going to be provoked by us it's a good question right do you know and so the thing is though that's the whole point they don't know jesus man just listen just listen 
We know Jesus. That's the whole point of it. How do we show Jesus? How do we provoke them? What do they see in our lives? Because they don't know Jesus. They don't want to know Jesus because they're blinded. They can't see. But what can they see? What can they see to somehow make them jealous? This is what Paul's talking about. We can pray for them in Psalm 122. You know, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Hamas, again, we're, we're, we're firing. I know friends of ours from a church in Holland are actually in Israel right now. But Hamas, um, they, 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 they um, destroyed a home. And so Israel retaliated with blowing up all kinds of stuff. But the thing is, though, it's like it's always there. The tension is always there. Let's pray for them. The locals say, you know how we, how we feel love from you guys? When you love the God of Israel and two, when you love the land. But what have we done? What is the problem of the Western world in particular? What have we done? We have not loved on them. Not only that, we killed them. We killed them. The most terrible thing in history. The Holocaust, six million Jews, anti-Semitism. And you think, oh, far away in New Zealand, you know, the furthest city away from, Jeru uh, from, from Jerusalem is, is Christchurch. You think it's wonderful here. No. I was reading an article yesterday about this. How They said like 30 years ago, there was not really much around. But now there's such anti-Semitism in this country. It's unbelievable. And the climax of this Holocaust, six million Jews burned in the gas chambers. The Holocaust, one of the biggest atrocities in human history. And the church did nothing. Not only that, the church actually condoned it. Martin Luther, who I love and so appreciate because of the Reformation, he supported it. There was other people like Bonhoeffer. He's, I'm not going to support this. But he was killed for it. What are we going to do? A, a terrible misreading of Scripture. Terrible misreading of Scripture. We, God never rejected his firstborn. He never rejected Israel. And we should never reject Israel. Opposite, we should love and support them and bring jealousy to their lives. We as the Gentiles, we are lucky to be alive. We are lucky as a wild olive shoot to even be brought into the olive shoot. The line of Christ is just amazing. We are so grateful. It's a miracle that we are even in. We have no history like, like Israel. No confidence, no prophets, no glory, all the stuff. We didn't have all that stuff. But then through the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, we are grafted in. We should be so grateful. But it's not against Israel. It is supporting Israel. Because actually on their behalf, because they were blinded for a while. Now it's going to be amazing. I'll talk about in a minute what's going to happen at any time when their, when their mind gets open and they suddenly see the Messiah, right? I'll, I'll talk about it in a minute what's going to happen. But the thing is, can you imagine also in some ways the, the pain of this, and not in a sense also for, for us, in a sense of, you know, all these people that like um, uh, the, 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 I'll get to it. <laughs> we are grafted into this Jewish, oh, I want you to know, I want you to feel, I want you to get a passion for what God has a passion for his people. I want you to not be steeped into some replacement theology. I hope nobody in this, in this church is like this. And nobody on screen, hopefully, is like this. There's no replacement theology. The church has not replaced Israel. Yes, through Jesus Christ, the church has come into covenants with Israel and the new covenant Christ, Jews and Gentiles. I get that. But the thing is, though, God still has a plan with the Jewish people. And there's two tracks going through history. The church and Israel. And God will have his way with Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were Jewish. The 12 disciples were Jewish. The 120 in the upper room were Jewish. The 3,000 people who came to faith on the day when Peter preached after the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit were 
Jewish. The covenants are all with? Yes. Even the new covenant. Jews. Not with Gentiles. And then only we get included later on through Cornelius and, and through Christ later on. But I want you to feel the weight of this whole thing. By grace, we've been grafted into this beautiful thing. Uh, Ephesians talks beautifully about this. Look at this. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, that's us, by birth and called the uncircumcised, the pigs, you know, by them, because they think we're unclean, by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in this world. That's we, how we were, right? But now, everybody say, but now. But now, in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace. He who has made the two groups one has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside, everybody say setting aside. He set aside what? He set aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself a new humanity, one out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were nearby for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you who are no longer, consequently, you are no longer foreigners. Yay! We're no longer strangers. But we are what? What? Fellow citizens. When you go to Israel, you feel a fellow. I'm a fellow citizen. I mean, it's through Christ. I get this. But there's something about being there. Something about Israel. Fellows of God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. We were excluded. We had no passport. We had no passport to get into this country. We were foreigners to the covenants. But now through the grace of God and through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been brought near. We are also in. We're also in the game. We also have salvation. And I'm so excited about it. And I know how hysterical you are. I can see it. I can see it in your body language. It's just beautiful. We are so excited. I, th I think, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, one at least. The thing is though, guys, the thing is though, God, I mean, can you imagine Jesus? When he said his commandment, you know, this gospel shall be preached in Jerusalem, right here, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's us, right? Do you think he has a picture of like, Hysteria, glory, power, awesome revival here? Yeah. Absolutely. That was totally what he looked at to the ends of the earth. He was looking at New Zealand. He was looking at this piece of land where you're sitting right now, 2,000 years ago. Come on, let's, let him, let's make it famous in this country, right? Let's make it famous in Christchurch because people just don't know. Like Israel, they're blinded. But the veil is taken off when? When the Holy Spirit doesn't work. So come on, let's, let, let's get going. So by grace we grafted into Jesus, who by the way also was a Jew. 
And Paul, who wrote Romans, also a Jew. Verse 18, do not boast over those branches if you do consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. Look at this beautiful picture. The root supports you. Got this photo? The root supports you. I love this photo because it's Romans 11. See, it's the root supports you. You see Israel, you see the menorah, and you see then the fish, which means Jesus. The, the root supports you. And so Paul says, don't be arrogant, you Gentiles. Don't be arrogant. That's what he said, literally. He says, don't be arrogant. You do not support the root. The root supports you. You stand on the history of, what, of, of Israel and of all the covenants, all the prophets, everything, all the promises. You stand on their shoulders in Jesus Christ. It is so beautiful. Of course, God has rigged this before time. But I want you to see what's happening, have an understanding of what's going on in this way. Paul says, don't be arrogant. Israel was broken off through unbelief. And you've been brought in, grafted in through faith, right? And now we stand strong in faith, right? All of us now. We stand by faith in Jesus Christ into this beautiful, beautiful new reality of this beautiful new covenant. And Jesus is the olive tree. And we are in him. And we have his life. And we are holy because of him. Now look at this. Amazing. Verse 16. If part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. Look at this. If the root is holy, so are the branches. What an incredible promise to us, guys. That the reality that the root Jesus Christ is holy, so all those ones who are born of God are also holy. You're holy. That's why you're called saints. That's why you got the righteousness of God when you're in Christ Jesus. Come on, I need some happiness in the building because this is so good. This is the gospel, guys, because I want you to be so filled up and so excited about this stuff that you go out the door and you can't help yourself. People need Jesus. Come on. They need Jesus. Amen. Verse 23. When Israel finally believes in Jesus, they too will be grafted in again. It's only a matter of faith. They're out for a moment. Actually for our sake. Blinded by God. Blinded for a moment. I'm also the unbelief, but God has orchestrated this whole thing, right? For a reason that we get this stuff, right? But then what is their inclusion going to look like? What is going to happen when they suddenly see the Messiah? What's going to happen? It's going to be so amazing. It says here, if, the, if, if, if we are the, not the natural branch, but it talks about, verse 23, about they, are, they, they belong and they are natural. In this. When they come to faith, how glorious this whole puzzle, this whole salvation, redemptive story is going to be. Now we're going to go into 25. Actually, let's stand together. Stretch your legs. It's not very long. Three verses. Let's, let's say it together. Come on, let's declare it together. Romans 11:25. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written... 
the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. You may be seated. When I take away, that's Jeremiah 31, 31. That's the new covenant when I take away the sin. How is it different? Because on the old covenant, you're only covered by the sin. The sin was never dealt with, right? Blood and goats can never take the blood of God, can never take away sin. So here we see the new covenant that they're going to be, there's a restoration. It's a mystery. But it's a restoration though. It's not a replacement. Get replacement out of your head. It's a heresy. It's a restoration. They were in, they were out for a while, for us. So salvation can go to the whole globe. They're being used, if you like, for us, on behalf of us. Thank you so much. Right? So that salvation can come and then it's going to come back to them. But what is that salvation going to do? It's amazing. It says in the Passion Translation, a partial and temporary hardening to the gospel has come over Israel, which will last until the full number of non-Jews, that's you and me, has come into God's family. And then God will bring all of Israel into salvation. Now, what does it look like? All of Israel. What would that be? Who's all of Israel? Is that like the whole country of Israel? Like the, the geographical thing? Or is it like all the Jews worldwide? I mean, there's more living outside than inside Israel, you know? Or is it like uh, Jews and Christians together in one man in Christ? It's very clear here that it's talking about the Jews as a people. It talks about the Jews as a nation. As a nation, Israel. Verse 28, as far, verse 28, listen to this, look at this. As far as the gospel is concerned, their enemies, right? Enemies of the gospel for your sake, that's our sake. We just talked about this. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. Linnea, read, read Chad Mansbridge's book, right? Only this. And God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. So they are the enemy of the gospel right now for a season because they're blinded. But because of that, the gospel has gone to the world, to all of us. But they are elected. They are chosen by God. There's a divine call on their lives. Salvation is from the Jews, it says in John 4, 22. And God will always keep his promises. It is from the Jews. If you look at the whole picture, salvation is from the Jews. Even if some of them right now don't even get it. They don't even see their own Messiah. But wait, there is more. Now there's a story in the Bible, there's a parallel story that's about Joseph. Joseph is a type of Christ. And, and some of you, most of you will know the story that Joseph has a dream, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and in the end, you know, the family is going to bow down to him. He's the youngest one. And people say, no way, Jose, not on our watch. And they want to kill him. Say, no, no, let's not kill him. Let's put him in the pit. But God takes him from the pit to the palace. He becomes prime minister. And so long story, then, then there's a... There's a um, Drought, right? And they have no food. So here the guys go to, um, all the family go to Israel, to Egypt, sorry. And they go to Egypt and they see, and they meet with him. And then of course, um, again, long story, you got to read it yourself. But what happens is, of course, they go to Joseph and he, they don't recognize Joseph, you know. And then, and then Joseph can't take it any longer, you know. And what happens is, he says, Please, all the guys, all go away. I want to be with these people here. And then he says, it's me. It's Joseph. And they said, what? And they fall down. Of course, they bowed down. It was a prophecy. That, of course, they already bowed down because of the prime minister. But the thing is, though, and they weep together. 
and they cry together. This is the picture, though, of what's happening to the Jews right now. And I want to show you this in Zechariah 12. It's very moving. I've had, this, I've, had, I've had preachers to myself a few times. Every time I just bore my eyes out. Some of my staff came into my office on, on whenever I was, and, and I was just bawling my eyes. I said, what are you doing? I'm happy. Yeah. Look at this, Zechariah 12. I will pour out on the house of David and on the people of Jerusalem the spirit of grace, unmerited favor, and supplication. And they will look at me. This is God talking about Jesus. Look at me. Jesus is talking, actually. At me, who they have pierced. And they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And they will weep bitterly over him as one who weeps bitterly over a firstborn. In that day, there shall be great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of the city of Hadadrimon in the, in the valley of Megiddo over their beloved Josiah. Now, Josiah was a really beloved king of Israel. Josiah was a very, um, Josiah was a very famous king. And at 39, he died. And, and the whole nation loved him. And the whole nation went into mourning. And God says it will be on the same, on same, will be on this day. The land will mourn, every family by itself, royal family, king of David. Look at all the wives, everybody, blah, blah, blah. At the end, each one with an overwhelming individual regret for having blindly rejected their Messiah. The whole nation will mourn because they will see him. The ones who they pierced. Shivers, we made a mistake. But there'll be mourning on one level. But there'll be such great rejoicing. Because then Jesus will show himself here. And all Israel will be saved. Because they will all see him. And they will all know him. And God will take the blindness away. What a day that's going to be, man. I mean, it's unbelievable. I want to be there. When it, I mean, I will be there. But you know what I mean? It's like Unbelievable. But this moment will not happen until, says here, the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And Jesus says this gospel, Matthew 24, 14, will be preached into the whole world until the end. Until every nation has here, every people group, and they say it's at least 10, 15, 20 years away still to every people group. Now, I'm not saying he's going to come back in 10, 15 years, but he could. But the thing is, though, something is happening. At the climax of world missions... At the climax, at the end of the age, when the fullness of the Gentiles are in. And we don't know what that number is. We have no clue. Well, we have some clue because it's nations. So we have a clue. But we don't know the exact date, right? Nobody knows. Jesus and your Father only knows. At the time, then Jesus will take the veil. Like Joseph. He says, it's me. And they will mourn. But they also will be so, so happy. What an incredible day. That will be at the end of time. And all Israel will be saved. So what should our attitude be right now? What should our attitude be towards Israel? I mean, there's so much they can't see. There's so, such secular things happening there. They want Tel Aviv to be the gay capital of the world. Can you believe this? They had a march, a gay march the other day through, through, through Jerusalem even. And all this stuff is happening. All this stuff is happening because they, they don't know God. They don't know the Messiah. Oh, about 30,000 people know are Messianic Jews. Only 30,000 or so. They're just blind. They're living their lives, many without God. But they're loved by God. So you've got to look past that stuff, guys. 
You got to look past this stuff. One time I get somebody to teach you about the whole thing of the land because that's a whole other issue. Because people get, what about the Palestinians? What about the, I'll get somebody to come in here to teach about whose land it really is and how it really works. Because some of you have got no clue about this stuff. And I think you need to know because it becomes very political. You got, don't make it political. Look at Israel as a nation. Look at the patriarchs. Look at this, the Bible. Look at that story. So one is to love and to provoke, to go support, go march in the city and love on the guys is one of the things I should do, you know. Preach the gospel to them. Now, we, we actually support um, Jacob Damkani. Uh, he does amazing. He gets many, many, many um, Jewish people saved. He's a great evangelist, and he works in, in, in Israel. And so we as a church financially support him, and we're actually going to increase our support. And we're going to also support maybe some other things in Israel. Very powerful to support uh, these things. Also, to see the nation say, for us to do the Great Commission, for us to go out. Because the faster we get everybody saved that needs to be saved to the fullness of Gentiles, the faster Israel also will be saved. So in, in some ways, they're waiting for us, right? They're waiting for our, us to do our job. And then the Messiah will come and set them free in the say. So watch the olive tree. Israel is being made ready to meet Jesus the grace period for the Gentiles is right now. Look at the signs. Look at the things. The clock of history is ticking. And Jesus will return on the Mount of Olives. Got a little picture here of the Mount of Olives of my beautiful wife with me. Um, and so you can see there the dome where Islam have got built this thing right on top of the, uh, of the second temple. They destroyed it all and put the thing on there. Now, the guys are wondering where the third temple is going to be built. And some of the guys were saying that there's actually space on the right side. And they actually wonder, I mean, now you think it's insane, not possible. They actually wonder if the temple, like a unity thing, you know, here we go, it could be built just next to it. But uh, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, God only knows all the mystery, those things, you know. But look at the history. Look at the, at the, at the, at the signs in history. Verse 30, I'm almost done. Just as you who were one time disobedient to God have now received mercy, that's us, as a result of their disobedience, we just talked about this, they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience in the world so that he may have mercy on them all. I love the Passion Translation. God considers all of humanity to be prisoners of their unbelief so that he can unlock our hearts and show his tender mercies to all who come to him. Guys, what a beautiful, beautiful line to unlock people's hearts. Jesus wants to unlock people's hearts to faith, to take the veil away, both Jews and Gentiles. Now, most of us have taken this veil in this, in this sitting here. This veil is taken away and you're born again and you're awesome. Maybe some of you are not. But the thing is, though, it, it's powerful. That's our purpose. That's the heartbeat. And it should be the heartbeat of us as Christians and the heartbeat of this church is to unlock people's hearts to faith. Isn't it beautiful? Unlock people's hearts to faith. I love the whole book of Romans. I did a series on this a couple of years ago, but I took about 18 months to go through the whole book of Romans. But the thing is, though, it kind of all fits together. Because the beginning of Romans, it says, God says, humanity's got a problem. You're missing some glory. Some sin has come into the world. 
So Adam and Eve, and, and the decision is made, and, and sin has come into the world, and now we've lost some glory. But through Jesus Christ, who was the glorious one, who only knew glory, he became a human being. He went to a cross. He took our sins. He took our unglory, and he made us glorious once again. When you are born again, you're going to be born of glory. You have been born of glory. So this wonderful testimony of what God has done and the grace of God has been given to humanity. So anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you will receive the gift of no, no longer condemnation. You receive the gift of righteousness. You become a child of God. And we are one new man in Christ. Maybe the band can come up. So Paul is so excited about this, this writing this stuff in, in, in Romans 11 that he, he's like, probably like me, just taken by his own writing, taken by just the words that he's just spoken. And so the doxology is just amazing here at the end. Look what he says at the end. He says, the only thing left to do now is just to praise him, right? 33, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Isn't it amazing? Let's stand together. I want to say it again, but I want to say it in the Passion Translation now. Look at this in the Passion Translation. Look at this, look at this. Read it with, look. It says here, who could ever wrap their minds around the riches of God, the depth of His wisdom, and the marvel of His perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of His decisions or search out the mysterious ways He carries out His plans? For who has discovered how the Lord thinks or is wise enough to be the one to advise him on his plans? No one. Or who has ever first given something to God that obligated God to owe him something in return? No one. And because God is the source and the sustainer of everything, everything finds fulfillment in him. May all praise and honor be given to him forever. Now, guys, your only fulfillment, the only fulfillment of life comes to the ful fulfiller, the source of life. God is the source of life. Now, I don't know where you've been looking at fulfillment, been looking at life, but only in God is the perfect source of life. Everybody wants to be filled with this life. Most people don't know about it, sadly. But they want to be filled with this life. What about you? Maybe you're sitting here and say, man, I, I feel empty. I, I want to be fulfilled too. I want to be filled with this love of God. I want to be filled with righteousness. I want to be a holy man, holy woman. I want to be filled with the peace of God. I want everything that God has. I want this stuff. Because my life is not fulfilled. I'm, I'm, I'm quite empty. Every eye closed at the moment. Maybe you're standing here or still sitting and you say, man, I need Jesus. I actually want to be born 
of this God. I want, I want, to be, I want his life to come into my life. I want to, him, him to fill me with his life, with his love, with his power, with his strength, with his joy, with his peace. It is the best thing you can ever do. Don't be blinded like Israel. You have a chance by faith to say, yes, the Holy Spirit will reveal Christ to you. The Holy Spirit leads us always to Christ. His finished work. Is there anybody here? Is everybody eyes closed? I don't want to embarrass anybody. And you say, man, I need Jesus today. Why don't you slip up your hand so I know that you said, I want to receive his life today. I want to receive his forgiveness, his life. I want to see eternal life. So when I die, I'm going to be with him forever. All these goodies. I want to receive it today. Is there anybody here? Put up your hand quite high so I can see it. Is there anybody here who says, yes, today I make a decision to follow Christ. I make a decision to open my heart for him and receive him today. Is there anybody here? The greatest decision you will ever make in your life. Is there anybody? Anybody? Father, thank you for all the people that are out there. For all the people who don't have the privilege right now to, to be grafted in like we have today. Father, we thank you for all the people that we're going to meet this week at our work, at school and our families. Father, thank you that you are opening hearts. You're giving dreams to people. And when we talk to people, yeah, I had a dream about this guy. This Jesus came to me or something. Yes, yes, and you can talk about it. Father, thank you. We want to be aware of the things that you are doing through our lives, Lord, the divine appointments that you have already purposed for us before time began. So we open our eyes to you, Lord. We open our spirit to you even this week. And we pray. Thank you, Lord. You said the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. And so, Lord, we want to be reapers of this harvest. So give us the privilege, Lord, to lead us to some people who don't know you this week. In Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Now we're going to maybe see it again. You know, this is such great news that we boast in Christ alone. Amen. We're going to have communion right now. And we're going to share his life. His life was broken for us. So we would have life. His, his blood was poured out for us so we might have this new covenant, forgiveness of sin, but also a lot more, the life of the Holy Spirit. Everything is, is part of this cup. You know my passion for this. And um, again, I, I said it two weeks ago, if you were not here, but I had the privilege of, of leading this whole group of 130 people or whatever at the actual uh, garden tomb to lead them in communion. And uh, to, to, it was actually very powerful, you know, because I was talking about, about communion and, and, and the, the, um, um, the tomb is right there, right? It's like 50 meters away. And you see that he was crucified just behind there, you know, the tomb, resurrected. And the house, of course, where they were, the 120 were together 50 days later, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So I was right, we were right in the middle of this whole thing, you know, right there. Honestly, when you have that realization, it is so powerful. It is so powerful. That, and, and last year, I was so touched by this that, I, that I, it changed my life. So I've taken communion every day ever since. And I'll continue to do it for the rest of my life. Every day. Put Jesus first every day. Take this beautiful meal every day. Because my first meal is always with Jesus. And so we want to just thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Lord, we want to lift the cup, the cup that you've given to us. We want to lift it to praise your name. We want to toast to you, Jesus. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are and what you've given to us, Lord. Thank you that your body was broken for us. Thank you that your life was shattered for us, Lord. 
that we might, might, by the exchange, by faith, have your life into our life. Thank you, Lord. There's sickness in our life. It will have to go bow to the name of Jesus. If there's lack in our lives, it has to bow to the life of Jesus in our lives. So we thank you, Lord. We take of the substance of the bread today, which is your body, the substance by faith, and it will make us whole, Lord. It brings life into our life. We thank you, Lord, for the cup, the cup of the new covenant. We thank you for the blood, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've given to us. We thank you for the promises that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. We thank you for everything, everything you've given to us, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, the new wine that has been poured out into our lives. This stream that is flowing in our belly. And we love you so much, Holy Spirit. So we honor you, Lord, and we give you praise.